0: DW.
1: Africa Link
0: Hello from a very cold and snowy bond here in Germany Welcome to your favourite programme with me, Eddie Micah Jr.
2: And I'm sehr fröhlich. Together, let's dive deep into the topics that move Africa and beyond. Join us on Facebook at DW Africa and share your thoughts on the stories we are covering. Here's what's coming up.
0: UN Climate Conference COP28 goes into its fifth day, with a lot of promises being made. But how serious are the decision makers?
3: The question is, how trustworthy are those promises? And if it, even if they, they get put in place, and how much is going to go toward what we want as Africa.
2: And while the world aims to phase out fossil fuels, South Africa has, like, not really easy to get away from coal for generating energy. But can they manage?
0: We are a coal-based country that specializes in terms of coal, fire, power stations, and we need to make sure that we produce the electricity that we require. So
4: I don't know what pledges they're going to make.
0: Yeah, it's all about walking the talk. Stay tuned for the details coming up after the world's news in brief.
5: DW News. Hello, I'm Keith Walker. Israeli forces are now expanding their offensive into all parts of the Gaza Strip. Its troops are now beginning to move into the south of the territory. Israel has renewed calls for evacuations from the southern town of Khan Yunus. That's where tens of thousands of displaced Palestinians have sought refuge. The army has told civilians to evacuate to the town of Rafah or to a safe zone along the southern coast. Palestinian health officials say they are struggling to keep up with the flow of the dead and wounded. Nearly 40 injured Palestinians have been flown to Tunisia for treatment. A presidential aide in the North African country said the Palestinians included 20 severely wounded patients, some with shrapnel wounds and burns. Egypt and the United Arab Emirates have also taken in wounded people from Gaza africa Link news comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. A group of feminist peace activists at the COP28 climate summit is calling for military emission reporting. Michelle Benzig is from the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom.
2: So that's why we're coming here together in this action to talk about demilitarization for gender and climate justice. And we're addressing this due to a few reasons. Firstly, we know that the global military emits around 5.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That means that there's really large emissions out there for which we have no accountability and no transparency. That's why we demand mandatory military emission reporting.
5: More from the COP28 climate summit coming up soon here on AfricaLink. The president of Guinea-Bissau, Umaro Mbalo, has dissolved the country's parliament. A presidential decree issued on Monday cited last week's shootout, which the government says was an attempted coup in the West African country. That's raised concerns about political stability in Guinea-Bissau and throughout the coup-hid region of West Africa. A rescue worker in Zambia said on Monday there may be survivors among dozens of trapped miners. They've been trapped since Thursday night when heavy rains set off a mudslide. The miners had been digging tunnels at an open-pit mine near the city of Chingola on Zambia's copper belt. Finally, at least 47 people are now known to have been killed by floods in northern Tanzania's Manyara region. Heavy rain has left a trail of destruction in East Africa, ruining roads and submerging towns, displacing hundreds of thousands of people. Severe flooding caused by the El Nino weather phenomenon has also killed hundreds of people in Kenya and Somalia in recent weeks. And that's the latest. I'm Keith Walker.
2: Thanks for sticking with us on the programme. I'm Zia Fröhlich.
0: And I am Eddie Mike Jr. Welcome once again also to our listeners on our Facebook page, that's DW Africa, And don't forget to comment on the stories we're covering so we get the chance to read them live on the programme.
2: That's right. And there's David Chamba saying hello, Samuel Godwin, and um, we're happy to see all of you. Mm-hmm. As world leaders gather in the Middle Eastern city of Dubai for the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, many promises and demands have been made.
0: That's right. The EU has announced the pledge of over 20 billion euros for the Africa EU Green Energy Initiative. And in France and Japan, they say they support the African Development Bank's push to leverage IMF special drawing rights, that's the SDR, for climate and development. Now, SDRs are rainy day foreign exchange reserves that I held are held at the International Monetary Fund.
2: Mm-hmm, but how serious are the decision makers about those pledges? I spoke to Sena Aluka from the Togolese delegation and asked him exactly that.
3: Oh, well, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. There is a saying in my village that if you want to uh, cross the river for the first time, you don't put your two feet inside. Maybe you start trying a little by little, then you put in one, then you see if it's deep, if you can make it or not. I think this is what we have been doing here at the COP. Just listening, very cautiously and prudently, based on past promises. Uh, Mr. Washington said, there's no better way to judge the future than through the past. What is the record we have? From the past, there have been a lot of promises, but at the end, if you manage to get it, it could take like forever. For instance, for the Green Climate Fund to be established and operationalized, it took us about 10 years. So uh, last year, we, there was an announcement about the new fund called the Loss and Damage Fund that we are trying to operationalize to make it functional. Already, five meetings took place of that, the transitional committee uh, to arrive here to, so that countries started putting money in, in the fund. The question is how trustworthy are those promises? And if it, even if they, they get uh, uh, put in place, uh, how much is going to go toward what we want as Africa? With adaptation and how much is going to go really down to the communities. So we welcome all those contributions. We welcome all those pledges. We welcome all those uh, promises. But again, as we are, as citizens, what we can just do and wait and to see.
2: Sina, thank you for that. And um, you said something, U.S. Africa. I mean... We have to admit, Africa is facing basically the biggest challenges of all countries. What would you say are the challenges regarding COP28, especially for African nations and you also as a delegate of Togo? Uh,
3: Someone first asked when we were leaving uh, my country, Togo, someone asked, why are you still going to the COP? What's the name of the COP? My response was, think a minute about no COP at all. If there are no COP at all, we lose this space, the multilateralism, we lose the place where humanity wins. We lose the place where we sow seeds of hope every day, of course, nobody eats hope, but it's very important to keep on fighting We, we are here for four key reasons eh? um, the first one being how to make sure that commitment that were taken in the context of the Paris agreement are being put in place that people comply with whatever they say we, we we We're here to make sure that people countries respect those engagements too. So we want to keep on you know shouting, saying, "No, you must put something on the table." You must increase your ambition. We need to make sure that the 1.5 target that was set in Paris, Paris we, we, we keep on that that, that um, engagement. To
2: what extent can African nations influence the decisions at the COP28?
3: Oh, African countries very strongly. Uh, You'll be impressed to see how the African Grove negotiators are driving the negotiations, are driving the discussion there. And we do some kind of trade-off. Negotiation means trade-off, to compromise, you know, like to talk to dialogue and reach a common point. So African group is strongly uh, pushing for some of the points that are in the benefit of the continent. The African group is very influential in terms of, you know, like where the, 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 the head of state, the Climate Action Summit. You see a, a huge delegation of African head of state, plenty of them. By showing that type of political commitment, political interest in the climate negotiations, Africa is driving. And then you see civil society from Africa, very organized, participating. Uh, to even today, they did um, a demonstration around uh, uh, don't kill the loss and damage fund, keep your promise. You know? So the African civil society is also there to push things forward.
2: I spoke to Sina Aluka from the Togolese delegation in Dubai right now.
3: We have a lot
0: of comments coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We'll be getting to those in a bit. But as the world converges in Dubai to tackle climate change, South Africa finds itself in a very precarious situation. Mm -hmm. The country is under pressure to start phasing down its almost 100% reliance on coal. For generating energy now, this facing down will come at a huge cost, resulting in loss of jobs and labor unions are not taking that lightly.
2: Mm-hmm. President Cyril Ramaphosa, who is actually also in Dubai for the climate change talks, has handed in South Africa's energy transition plan with a 74 billion euros price tag mm. on it. Yeah, that's quite a lot. And some experts say there is no light at the end of that tunnel. Tuso Kumalo reports from Johannesburg.
4: South Africa has for decades relied on coal for generating its electricity. But delegates at the United Nations Congress of Parties 28, COP28, in Dubai want a stop to burning of fossil fuel. President Cyril Maposa handed the country's Just Energy Transition Implementation Plan to the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres. The plan outlines how the country is planning to phase out coal, acquire renewable energy and build new industries and jobs for affected communities and workers. But for the plan to succeed, South Africa will need 74 billion euros in the next five years. President Ramaphosa told reporters on the sidelines of the climate change summit that South Africa will need external help to afford it.
6: We're calling for more countries to participate as our just energy plan requires much more money so that we can transit in a much more effective way and in a just way, particularly when it comes to those communities that are going to be affected as we transit from fossil fuel sources of energy to renewables.
4: Labor unions are also throwing spanners in the wake. Pagamile Shubima Jola, spokesperson of the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa, says they want full guarantees that the implementation of the plan will protect livelihoods. Otherwise, they will challenge the plan.
6: The process should benefit the maximum number of people in the country. It should protect the maximum number of jobs and it should be to the benefit of
7: the maximum number of the population.
4: A big chunk of the economy of Mpumalanga province relies on coal mining and coal power stations. The removal of coal for this province will mean a reconstruction of the economy from scratch. The country's car assembly plants will also need billions of euros to transit to electric cars. The country's power utility, ESCOM, which is currently struggling to generate enough electricity for the country, employs around 30,000 workers. All of them will need to be reskilled for them to be relevant in the renewable energy era. Energy analyst Adil Nchabeleng says South Africa is between a rock and a hard place. The pledges that they are going to make in at COP28 are still going to contradict
0: when you come back home. We are a coal-based country that specializes in terms of coal-fired power stations. And we need to make sure that those power stations will carry us into the next 20 years minimum and make sure that we produce the electricity that we require. So I don't know what
4: pledges they're going to make. But in the long run, the South African government sees light at the end of the tunnel concession loans and grant pledges made by international partners to support the transition phase now stand at just over 10 billion euros. While the energy transition plan is expected to shed up to 300,000 jobs, the government says it is expected to create up to 815,000 jobs by 2050.
0: Tuzo Komalo, our correspondent with that report
4: Mm -hmm. and
2: we asked you on our Facebook page DW Africa how can our leaders push for climate action at COP28 and we have a lot of comments here Eddie Mm -hmm. let me start with one of Ebenezer Canary who says must they travel to Dubai to tackle climate changes and and I think that's actually a really good question to ask because um, I don't know if you saw that in the Mm -hmm. news Eddie but the German delegation Mm -hmm. was planning to take a plane to Dubai but because of the snowstorm the plane couldn't start because it was stuck in the snow and people were asking, well, taking a jet mm-hmm. to fly You're to right. a conference about, about climate change. change. Yeah. That's um, yeah, a good it. point. A yeah, good point."
0: Definitely, <laughs> Arabic Reja says the Global South shall call on China to stop accelerating fossil use and to follow international laws and orders.
2: Mm, Daniel Lissi is saying if the world would accept the truth that we are part of the animal rain, we would accept that... Okay. <laughs> I, I do not really understand this comment, I must uh, admit. Yeah. So I read the one of Jack Eckard who's saying developed countries have very high energy and resource consumption per head. This causes pollution. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, talking about irony, Zelia, there's this uh, comment from Lars Chang, who says... Organizing a climate summit in oil producing UAE is like opening a conference on human rights in a country that abuses its own people. Mm-hmm. So uh, more on ironies building up on social yeah, media. Um, I think there
2: are some very strong or like very, strong, very passionate yeah. comments here in that regard. So yeah. um, It's
0: also because, I mean, one thing also that resonates with a lot of what people are saying is... I mean, this is COP28. There's been a lot of other COP events and a lot of other climate events and people feel like a lot of people talk. There's a lot of talk. Mm -hmm. Oh, we promised this, we'll do this, this percentage of this from the budget. But nothing actually happens on the ground. And so people hope that this time people will be walking the talk.
2: Yeah, that's very true. Um, And that's also, by the way, uh, just to read another comment, that is Shinra Tensei who's saying, USR and China are most responsible but did not attend. And I think that's Mm -hmm. also another issue yeah. and for those who are just joining us thanks for sticking or for those who are with us thanks yeah. for sticking around and for those who are joining us welcome to dw's africa link program i'm zaya Freire.
0: and i am eddie michael jr connect with us on facebook at dw africa like and follow the page and comment on the stories we're covering
2: mm-hmm. and coming up in the next minutes we'll go to nigeria to find out the state of journalists living
7: with disabilities the working environment in the media is not very friendly and um The demands are very high. I was presenting for several years, but accessing the studio had been an issue. And
0: that is indeed a big problem. We'll also head to Malawi to find out what is being done to fight malnutrition in the country. Also stay tuned for some sports news with our very own Isaac Mugabe. But first, Zilia. Take us to Nigeria. Mm-hmm.
2: And in Nigeria, persons with disabilities have joined the rest of the world in celebrating this year's 2023 International Day of Persons with Disabilities. About 29 million people live with disability in the country.
0: Yeah, and those include journalists, Zilia, mm-hmm. like you and I. They face challenges while discharging their duties. Their working conditions and recognition from the public remain the major issues. Shehu Salmanu tells us more.
4: This is reaching you from the Nigerian television authority. President has
6: This is Nigeria's, Nigeria's national, national, national television, 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 television station where Zainab Saidu Nasser has worked for over 20 25 20 years as a disabled 20 journalist 20 and rose to the position of Deputy Director of News. A polio paralysis survival from the first year of birth. Zeynep. from the personal experience of the challenges persons with disability faced during years spent in the profession of journalism.
7: Part of the challenges faced over the years, the working environment in the media is not very friendly and um, the demands are very high. I was presenting for several years, but accessing the studio had been an issue. Nobody gave consideration to the fact that I need to access... studio to do my work a person with disability from my personal experience will have to work twice as much as the ordinary staff before he's recognized i had also faced situations where i go to interview people and um, some of them were at first thought i was there to beg
6: journalists with disability in nigeria express their griefs of being shortchanged in discharging their duties Ibrahim Saluhu Issa, a journalist with disability and a reporter with a local FM station in the city of Sokoto, says their challenges are enormous.
4: Being a working journalist as a person with disabilities, myself and the other people have issues of. The building structures where the places are not uh, disabled friendly. And then understanding from the people is also another challenge. If you come to investigate something, they just assume
6: that you come for begging. Zainab Abdel Nasir, the deputy director, charges disabled persons of all trades, not only journalists, to learn to be independent.
7: I've candid advised the persons with disability to do the best that they can to be useful members of the society, avoid being dependent on members of their family or the society, because every society appreciates a hard-working person, whether a person with disability or not.
6: Persons with disability in Nigeria have the right to work freely on an equal basis with others as in in the Discrimination Against Persons with Disability Act.
2: Sheehu Salmanu with that report.
6: Yeah, I think it's, I find this,
0: you know, it it, it comes close to home. First of all, because Mm -hmm. I'm also a journalist, we're we're all journalists. But it's it's just a way to, to show that persons with disabilities should have the enabling environment, the conducive environment to be able to go about their normal duties without facing the challenges right yeah. and so for for this journalist who is in the story who's who spent what, so many years he's vice or well, deputy head of news and still accessing the studio for her to do her work. It's a challenge. I find that very, very appalling.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. And I think everybody can do their part of like helping and ad- advocate for those, yeah. for that to, to just create a more, you know, equal world yeah. for everybody. Yeah.
0: So uh, let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. What is a state in your country? Are persons with disability, you know, getting the ability to do what they want to do without any challenges? We would love to know your thoughts let's now go to Malawi where stunting levels in children have increased due to poor dietary habits one in every four children is stunted now that's according to food and agriculture organization fao malawi authorities and unicef
2: to counter this, there is a collaboration with the European Union to fund projects across Malawi. UNICEF and FAO are jointly implementing a nutrition project to deal with stunting and malnutrition. George Mango reports from Blantyre.
8: 10 out of 28 districts can in Malawi are the worst affected. These districts, according to authorities, include Chiradzulu, Choro, Mulanje and Karonga. Nutritionists attribute the vice to high poverty levels, failure to adhere to balanced diet and climate change effects on agricultural production as people are faced with drought, floods and various cyclones. Fanny Barton, who is expectant, admits that her firstborn had stunting effects. Barton now undergoes lessons at a nearby clinic so that the unborn baby is not subjected to both malnutrition and stunting.
7: Poor rainfall patterns affect this area, a move that makes us not have balanced meals 24-7. Fruits, which are also essential to one's health, are not grown in this area because of the weather pattern. These are some of the reasons why most pregnant mothers and children suffer from malnutrition and stunting.
8: The European Union is now funding a project called AFIKEPO, meaning let them develop to their full potential. It is being implemented by UNICEF and FAO. It was formulated after noting gaps in dealing with malnutrition, inadequate coordination and little impact on reducing stunting levels. Faos Mishek Mumbakulu says 76,000 families have been reached out to in dealing with stunting.
4: We have so many interventions under FKPO that are looking after other nutrition-sensitive agriculture. We are promoting diversification in terms of production of crops that are supposed to be included in the diets to make sure they are nutrient there, and also promotion of behavioural change and other uh, wash interventions, water hygiene and sanitation interventions, just to make sure that the children that are less than five years of age, the pregnant, the lactating and also the adolescent girls are consuming food adequate enough in terms of nutrients such that we don't uh, see any of the child suffering from any form of malnutrition
8: now 19 year old eliza yusuf and a mother of one has decided to join a grouping of afikapo in molange because her child was discovered underweight by health promoters and health workers last month families are encouraged to have ponds gardens and practice poultry farming for them to have a balanced meal. Health surveillance assistant, Maureen Kausiwa, says even if the program phases off next month, families will feed their children, lactating and pregnant mothers will enjoy all the six food groups.
7: A pregnant mother needs to eat six food groups so that a child is born with good weight and a mother can deliver properly. We visit every household to ensure good dietary habits to the pregnant mother and talk about issues of sanitation.
8: Cyclones Freddie, Anna and Idai prevented communities from harvesting crops like maize, beans and others for home consumption, which health experts say has contributed to stunting and malnutrition. UNICEF, FAO and Malawi authorities have since expressed commitment to ensuring that Malawians have access to nutritious food, the right to food security, and a standard of living adequate for health.
2: George Mango reporting from Blantyre, Malawi.
6: Africa Link. Sports.
2: That's right, Eddie, talking sports, where Bayern Leverkusen had a chance to solidify their spot at number one in the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, they managed to remain on top of the table, but only through a draw against Bayern Leverkusen. My colleague Isaac Mugabe, he told me how the game went down.
1: All the odds were in favour of Bayer Leverkusen to beat Dortmund and extend that winning streak, if I may say so. When you look at the goal possession, they were far better than Dortmund. When you look at the shots on goal Mm -hmm. and on target, they were far ahead of Borussia Dortmund. And when you look at not only the possession but also the control of the game, the corner kicks, the the shots on targets, they were in control of the game, but luck wasn't on their side. At least a draw in that case, (laughs) they go with it. VAR
0: has been making a lot of headlines regarding these games. And it it, it read its head again in that game.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, it it is back in the news for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And again, Karim Adem in the dying minutes also brought down by two defenders, including Tapsoba. Clearly, that was a penalty for Dortmund. But the VR wasn't called. Mm -hmm. And even the VR referee didn't call for it like we see in the Premier League. So uh, the after-match interviews, players on both sides were not happy in the interviews they gave. Each side accusing the VR to be the villain in this <laughs> case. <laughs> I don't know where this is going to end because because even the manager, Eddie Tachik mm-hmm. of Dortmund, I mean, was guns blazing saying, We've been talking about this week in, week out about VR, but it seems no one is listening. But anyway, for Bayern then they still have the lead there, yeah. leading the table, hopefully, hoping that Bayern Munich doesn't win the game, they're mm. hoping so. Mm. Because if Bayern wins the game, they're yeah. better off when it comes to goal difference. Yeah. It will go back to the, the, the top spot.
0: That's exactly uh, what I want to talk about. Because, mm. yes, Bayern Munich have a game in hand. That game was called off. Was it
1: snow issues? It or? was snow issues. We know in Bavaria, even up to now, it's still you know, snowing heavily. And mm. even transport-wise, it has been affected. But, I
0: mean, looking at the form Bayern Munich have been on, talking about Harry Kane in such good goal-scoring form, it's almost no doubt that Bayern would Grab, grab all three points. What do you
1: think? Yeah, especially on the Alliance on yes. their pitch. I mean, they normally dominate it with the noise. They're really comfortable at home. Yeah. And Hurricane, like you mentioned, he's he's on fire. He seems to be unstoppable. Mm. And who knows what? Maybe you know Berlin was in for it, in for thrashing. But thankfully, the weather dictated otherwise and played in their mm. in their way.
0: What would you make of the Bundesliga table so far? I mean, it's it, if you look at the table, it's
1: a uh, it's quite tight. The top three, isn't it? It's quite tight, but we. De- I mean for a moment Eddie without missing words many football observers pundits analysts even fans they are hoping that Leverkusen continues this way mm. not to be like Dortmund which at the end of the te- of the league of the season tends to fall back and give away the trophy mm. to Bayern Munich they have hopes that really Leverkusen will make the difference if if and only they stay focused
0: yeah
1: if and only they stay focused i think they could we we have more days to come enjoying yeah. that kind of competition yeah. but non deja dominant Bayern yeah. Munich being up there.
0: There's more games to go so maybe the season will be different but let's let's move away from the Bundesliga mm. and talk about the English Premier League. The biggest game <laughs> of the weekend was Manchester City versus Tottenham Hotspur. Hotspur have been have had quite a form this season, mm-hmm. and well ended three-three.
1: I think Manchester City was lucky that uh, Tottenham had conceded an own goal through Kim Young. Yeah, but again, it was really one of those controversial decisions by a ref. Uh huh saying play on, on a foul committed by their machine, called machine, Erling Haaland, only for him to pass the ball to Grealish and then Grealish is marked offside. No Premier League referee now would be wanted to be criticised because of having not called for an offside or because of VAR. They're all mm. cautious. If you're offside, it's offside. No question about that. And there's been noise about yeah. that since the game ended. Yeah. Hours ago, they're still yeah. talking about that controversial decision. Three three, you saw that iconic yeah. picture of of <laughs> <It's> Guardiola, <laughs> some assaulting. That's the pretty thing about about Premier League. But you can see the fighting spirit. Yeah, when you see Elling Haaland, when you see Alvarez, when you see Foden, when you see all the squad, you can see Grealish. You know they are hungry for the goals. They know they mean business on the pitch.
0: That's right. I was speaking to my colleague, an in-house sport expert, Isaac Mugabe. Zelia Frelish is a Dortmund fan, mm-hmm. Borussia Dortmund fan.
2: Mm-hmm. W- were
0: you excited <laughs> with the draw?
2: No, I was not excited (laughs) about the draw.
0: I mean, at least Um, you did not lose. You did not lose all three points. Hey,
2: yeah, we did not lose. But it's kind of sad when that is the standard that you're holding on to. It's like that (laughs) it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the standard. It shouldn't be what you're aiming for.
0: That is fair (laughs) enough. And uh, well, that wraps up uh, this edition of Africa Link with me, Eddie Maika Jr.
2: And sehr Fröhlich.
4: Made for Minds.